Welcome to this episode of Tap Into College Golf. I'm your host, Brandy Jackson, founder of Brandy Jackson Golf, where young female golfers can come join the team in search of coaching, consulting, mentorship, and guidance on all things junior golf related and, of course, the college recruiting process. There's also access to an online course, or if you're looking for some fun girls golf lifestyle apparel, even added that to the collection last year. So be sure to go check out www.brandyjacksongolf.com. That's Brandy with an I. Welcome to this edition of Take Three on Tap Into College Golf. As you all know, this episode is all about taking your questions and tackling them to help answer some questions a little more specific to junior golf and the actual recruiting process, as opposed to those coach interviews that it's a little more about the coaches and the golf programs and college golf life. So I have three questions today that I'm looking forward to diving into and hopefully answering what uh, what you all out there may be you know, intrigued about and take these questions and, and see what I can provide. So we're just going to hop right in. This first question came to me on Instagram. Um, and I actually tackled one on my Instagram over on my IGTV on Brandy Jackson Golf on Instagram. So if you missed that, be sure you go check that out. I had two questions at once. So I tackled one of them on my most recent IGTV um, episode about camps and everything. But this one was about is there a way to find out which programs are fully funded and which ones aren't? And it's kind of the same answer I had with camps that unfortunately there's just not a, a resource. And I don't think there's ever going to be a way to do that, nor would coaches necessarily always want that to be the case. And I say that because, you know, a program may not be fully funded with golf scholarships, but they may have really good other ways of funding through academics or financial need or, uh, you know, if you're in state, different ways that they might be able to put together a scholarship. And if it was out there that they, you know, are not fully funded or maybe they only have one scholarship, it might make you as a student athlete not want to pursue that because you think you're not going to be able to get a golf scholarship. So I think in some cases the coaches wouldn't necessarily want the the difference in scholarships in terms of who has what. I know sometimes it's kind of frustrating when you do find out, you know, a program is very limited on their scholarship and financial aid is a big deal to you. So in most cases, the coach will usually, you know, discuss this with you, or if not, it is definitely, you know, allowed and accepted that before you would travel for anything or really, you know, put too much time into it to ask those questions, not necessarily specifically to you for, you know, am I going to get golf scholarship, but just in general ask to find out, you know, what is the funding like with golf academics need-based, you know, be honest with the coach. If that is something that is a big consideration for your family, let the coach know. And hopefully you'll be able to find out before too much time does get spent. And especially if you were to be traveling for a visit again, I've had some coaches, you know, ask me ahead of time, you know, kind of what do I know about a family's financial situation? Because, you know, they knew funding was going to be limited they just didn't want the player or, you know, themselves to waste time uh, on a visit and, and traveling just to find out that they could not afford what was going to be the difference. So that's some of the reasons why you're not going to ever really see that um, and why some of the statistics out there are, are not accurate because they are based off of the fact that every program is allowed six scholarships, but there are numerous ones that are not fully funded all the way down to no scholarships. Um Again, especially at the D, well, at, at all levels, but the D1 level where there are six allowed, 
And then on down through D2, obviously D3 being academic money only. So like I said, it's not necessarily something that the coaches always want to just be public information. And, And again, they may be limited, but that particular grad year that you're going in might be the year that a little bit more money is going to open up because they invested a little bit of it in a couple of players. And so that particular year... It might have a little more wiggle room to maybe get a player and, and put a little bit more money towards it. So that's a little bit of the inside scoop to a degree on you know programs not being fully funded and the accessibility of finding that out. And that, again, that's not something that there's a resource or, or really any kind of public way to be able to find that out without just starting the communication with the coach and, and just emphasizing the importance of, of that and, and asking some general questions just to find out where you might fit in, uh, you know, where a player like you might fit in so that you can have an idea. So that's first question here on this take three episode. So we're going to switch gears just a little bit and take it to the college uh, level, take it to college golf talk a little bit with a question that I was asked about qualifying in college golf. And it's something I think some people don't even realize happens in college golf. Um, Some people don't understand what qualifying in college golf actually means. I've even heard of some people, you know, assume that because they were on full scholarships that they were automatically going to be on the travel team. Definitely not the case. And it is something that each each coach tends to do a little bit differently. They all have their own ways of handling qualifying. Um, Something through the recruiting process that's great to ask. Find out how the coach does qualifying just so you kind of know. Keep in mind, the coach has the final say in everything, and sometimes they have a gut feeling and or, you know, they have reasons why they may change that up. And I know a lot of times that does upset players and causes some tension. But, you know, that is their job as a coach. You know, there, there might become a point where it might become – Maybe seems like a little unfair or something like that. But at the end of the day, they're the coach. And if they decide to change things from what they originally said, um, you want to hope that there's a reason for them to do that. That makes sense. But with qualifying, typically it's done for each tournament. Um, Again, it kind of depends on how the schedule is done, especially the beginning of the season. Usually there's, you know, five, three, four, five, six, seven, eight rounds, just depending on how much time you have that it, you know, it's based off of lowest score. Some coaches will do, you know, three lowest scores from qualifying. They'll pick one player um, or pick two players. Some cases, once you're into the season, you know, the, the low two scores from the previous tournament all automatically go. The next three have to qualify if you have a few days in between tournaments. In some cases, when it's back-to-back tournaments, they'll have the players who don't go to the to that actual tournament at home qualifying sometimes. And if there's kind of a shorter turnaround, then the coach sometimes will base it off of what scores those players shot while they were gone as to whether one might get into the lineup for that next tournament. Some coaches have, you know, a, a set way that just says, you know, hey, if you've hit this number with your scoring average or whatever, you know, you're in for the rest of the season. Some coaches I've even seen, you know, get the first five they want and they stick that out through the whole season. Again, very different things that they do. Um, something to definitely ask, you know, through the recruiting process, just so you have an idea. But again, keep in mind, it, it can always change. It can always fluctuate a little bit. But qualifying does happen, you know, because typically you've got seven, eight, nine, ten or more girls on a team and only five are going to travel and play. 
um, you know, maybe take one as an individual for some events. So obviously there's a, they've got to determine who that's going to be. And again, it does vary from coach to coach and program to program as to how they handle that. Also time of year, beginning of season, middle of the season as to do they handle, you know, do they do qualifying? Do you get to qualify while the team is traveling? Um, does the lineup kind of stay set? Whatever that might, um, whatever that might look like for that particular program. So hopefully that kind of gives you a little insight into qualifying. It's actually one of the things that probably helps you get better than most in college golf. And a lot of girls will tell you how much you don't realize, how much they didn't realize, how much they would be playing and competing just, you know, day in and day out. Because again, when you're not at a tournament, uh, you might be at home having to qualify. And then when the team's back, you might be qualifying. You get plenty of practice time too, but you do a lot of qualifying and it's you know rarely not rarely, but, you know, a big majority of your time spent on the golf course is time where you're competing, um, even, you know, against your own teammates and, and during practice time. So um, there is a lot of uh, competition that goes on in that case and a lot of qualifying where, you know, a lot of your rounds really count and it's not just going out just to play a quick nine holes just to be playing. So, again, something to keep in mind that there's that grind there of that constant qualifying and constant competition when you get to college golf. All right, we're going to tackle this last one. This is a little bit more for you parents out there. I've been trying to kind of take these take three episodes and kind of hitting three different areas of the recruiting process, junior golf, development, all of that, and, and try to kind of get a little variety. So this one's a little bit for the parents there. This was one uh, you know, I've been asked. It, it comes up many different times throughout working with players and, and their parents about you know, going on visits and should the parents go on the visit and should the parents, you know, be there for that interview and for the time with the coach. And I hate to say yes, and it should always be the case because there might be some situations where parents um, might not need to be in on that part. But um, yes, you know, the coaches want you there. Um, they want to know what they're getting in terms of the parents. You know, they want to know where the kids are coming from and, you know, good or bad, um, they need to know that. And, you know, they really do need, uh, you know, an idea of the, the whole package that they're getting. Um, they want to know, you know, a, a little bit about you as parents and, and how you support your daughter and how you, you know, how you handle things, what your expectations of them as a coach are. All of those things are important. Um, so you really want to um, want to be there for that. And, and it's, you know, typically just assume that you are going to be there. Um, occasionally there's some, you know, instances where players had to go on a visit by yourself or sometimes with these official visits with your traveling, it's okay if you can't go and you're not, you know, you're the, it's an official and the, it's being paid for, but you can't maybe fly to go with them. It's okay if you can't, but just don't feel like it, it's not supposed to have you included. Um, I do always recommend, especially if you're a parent who might have a tendency to talk over your daughter or answer for your daughter, um, first definitely need to work on that. Make sure you don't do that. But if you do know that your daughter, you know, may not be as open or, or as talkative if you're around, then try to give your daughter and the coach some space to be one-on-one just to try to help make sure your daughter comes out of her shell a little bit and, and does speak for herself um, work with her before the visit. Help her be more confident to talk and, and ask the questions herself if you know she struggles with that. But if you do feel like that maybe is the case, it's okay to maybe say, you know, hey, I want to give you all some time to, uh, you know, check things out maybe while they're looking at the facilities or, or something. If you get that chance, definitely try to give them a little bit of space and time with just the coach. But again, 
most all cases, you know, the coaches really do want you there and, and they want to know what, you know, I said what what they're getting into in terms of the the whole package of things and and how that relationship is and and, and again they want you to feel comfortable with them um, and and know that your daughter's being put into good hands with them as a coach and and what they're what they're all about so most of the time they're always expecting you to be there and want you there if at all possible um, and and again if some sort of circumstance circumstance doesn't allow it then you know talk to the coach. Let them know why you might not be there. Um, if you have some questions as a parent, again, uh, you know, we push parents stay out of things, you know, all of this. And I think sometimes parents get a little too hesitant in some cases and scared to be too much of that, like, overbearing parent. So find a good medium ground, good happy ground there for, you know, for, for like I said, for helping that coach see who you are and, and how you're going to be, but yet not overtaking things and not being overwhelming so that your daughter doesn't get her chance to shine and, and impress the coach and, and make a really good impression and get to know the coach and talk to the coach and, and really be herself. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Take 3 on the Tap Into College Golf Podcast. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, you can go to my website, you can go to my bio on Instagram, you can email me, um, anything you want to do to submit a question that you'd like to have me go over. You can also go to the anchor link and where you can find my podcast and actually submit a question um, audio and we'll actually share it here on the actual episode. So whichever way you want to do it, I would love to get your questions and be able to answer them and and go over them in future episodes of Take 3. So looking forward to getting those questions and and stories and scenarios that you'd like for me to cover and I will definitely get to those. So thanks again for joining.